Well, good morning and welcome to worship today here at Trinity. My name is Wade. I'm one of the pastors and I'm so glad that you joined us today. We're continuing our journey through the season of Lent and today our focus is testify. To testify means to be able to tell how our story is a part of God's story. I got a Bible up here somewhere. There it is. Hey, church. Come on. Good to see you. My name is Wade. If we've not met yet or you're new here, I'm so glad to be with you on this third Sunday of Advent. Can you believe it? Uh, This week, Pastor Kim and I were uh, talking about the season and um, we're reminded that next week we will have a combined worship service on Sunday morning. It'll be down the hall, 10 o'clock. Abraham will be there, some of the other gang. And uh, it's a Lessons in Carols for the fourth Sunday of Advent. And I was thinking, like typically it happens, there's the fourth Sunday of Advent, which I, as a lead pastor, usually do not preach to get myself ready for Christmas Eve. I thought I had like a whole week, but like next Sunday is Christmas Eve, right? So uh, here we go. I can't believe it's already here. So we've been in this journey um, during Advent. We call it Prepare. And uh, we're going to get uh, another, um, another piece of that today. But before I get to it, I want to read the gospel lesson that is appointed for the third Sunday of Advent. And it comes from the Gospel of John. It's over in chapter 1, right at the beginning, starting at verse 6. I'll read a couple and then jump over to 19 if you're following along. Now, there's some real details in here, so I want you to kind of hear closely. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. Now jump over to 19. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny it, but confessed I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize you with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know. The one who is coming after me, I am not worthy to untie the thong on his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I'm not sure um, where I learned it as a child. I don't know. Maybe it came from my parents' teaching. Maybe it's something I learned in elementary school. Maybe it's something I learned at church. I don't know where it came from, but I learned very young in my life that it is absolutely rude to point at someone. Anybody learn that one too? Don't 
point at someone. And, and, and even though I can't place where it came from, I'm going to guess it was probably from my parents, um, it has been something that has hung with me throughout life. I still, I mean, I've got to, because of the sermon, I've got to point at you today. And um, Ed, will you throw up the, the, the sermon? I mean, that thing just about freaked me out when it came into my inbox this week that that was going to be our graphic today. That's how much that made an impression on me. Now, you know that in my previous appointment, I spent a significant amount of time in Southeast Asia, primarily in Thailand and in Vietnam. And one of the things that you do when you travel to um, internationally or to a culture different than your own, especially in mission, is you want to understand some of the cultural practices of the area because you don't really want to make a mistake. And one of the things I learned about Southeast Asia, especially in Vietnam, is that it is considered um, very, very disrespectful to use one finger to point at anything, whether it's point to someone or point in a direction. And um, I said to the, to the guy who was helping, I said, so <clears throat> what, what does it stand for? And he said, it's disrespectful. So I, I didn't ask any more questions. I figured I could probably fill in the blanks, right? So what do they do instead? A full hand, right? All fingers together, thumb together. And so that is the gesture. So if I want to say, you know, hey, can you come here? You would just simply do this. Or um, where's the kitchen? It's, it's over here. And I don't know. You might have noticed I kind of still do that. It's something that I picked up along um, the way. So, um, so talking about pointing is a thing that um, this, all that stuff came back to me. I was remembering that this week as I was looking at the text today. Because if there's anything this text says, it says point. Point it out. That's what John was about. I find it really interesting. Did you have a little deja vu when I started reading the text from last week that, oh, I thought we already dealt with John the Baptist? You know, like, uh, I find it interesting that in the lectionary, readings appointed for the season of Advent, that on week two and week three, we get John the Baptist. We get him two times. What is that all about? So just to be clear, um, though, uh, just a reminder, now that we're in John's gospel, a lot of times people will ask me this question. Is John the Baptist the author of the Gospel of John? No. Different dude. They were different dudes. That helps us kind of put that in place. But you're going to have to pay attention because I'm going to use the name John a lot today and try to figure out where it goes. So if last week what we got was this camel hair wearing, locust and honey eating, John the Baptist, this week we do a bit of a turn and we get to see a whole new side of this guy named John. The John that we find in this gospel is never called John the Baptist. I am 60 years old. I've been in ministry 36 years. I've been in the Bible since I was a child, and I will confess to you, last week was the first time I ever saw that. He's not called John the Baptist, but we know it's John the Baptist, right? Because he's doing what? He's baptizing. And so what is it that, that is different about him? And we see a whole different side. Uh, a Bible scholar, Caroline Lewis, says, well, he's not John the Baptist. What he really functions in the gospel of John is John the Baptist the witness. Now, it's not there, 
but John the witness. Very different functions, right? John the Baptist, kind of this crazy man in the wilderness calling people to repentance, and now we've got John the witness. Of course, he does baptize some folks in the thing today, but that's not his primary focus. That's not his primary role. In, in John's gospel, what John uses baptism for is to point. Point where? Point to the one who is coming. Do you see how he's using baptism as a way to point to the Messiah who is coming? And he uses a very specific word. He says he's pointing to the what? Light. The light that will come into the world. That's something that's needed. What it needs is a, what, 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 what needs to happen in this place in the gospel is, um, is that we need another fellow human, a human like you and me, to be able to point to his presence. Otherwise, human as we are, we might not see it. We might miss it. You know how sometimes we got to have something pointed out to us in order to be able to see it. And so whether it's a rude thing or not, the text reminds us John's job is to point. Not to himself, not to other people, but to point to the light. Now I think our text does a couple of really important things today here in John. One of the things that it does is it gives us John's purpose statement. That's what verses 6 through 8 were. And then it goes on to show us who John is. And then I think the third thing the text does is it shows us that his main job is to point. So what is John's purpose? Let's go back to verses 6 through 8. I'm just going to read 6 through out and see if you can see the three things that, um, that are kind of his purpose statement. It went like this. Now, a man named John was, I'm going to help, help you out a little bit, sent from God. That's important, isn't it? He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that there's always a so that. We do this so that this is the result, so that everyone would believe in the light. And then when we jump over to verse 19, John does a little bit of it for himself. And I love how the context of this is that John begins to define who he is by saying who he is not. Are you the Messiah? I am not the Messiah. I am not Elijah. Do you know why Elijah is important in the story? Prophetic words said that the prophet Elijah would show up again right as the Messiah was coming on the scene. So I'm not the Messiah. I am not Elijah. I am not the prophet. And so he begins to then move to the place where he does identify himself. Now, it's not really clear in the text, so I want to point it out. I want to point it out. Uh, John's whole identity, who he is, who he understands himself to be, his function in this world is aligned with who he is in relationship to Jesus. His identity, when he looks into the mirror to see John, he's looking through the lens of Jesus. The only way he understands who he is is to look at it that way. So, you know, as I was working on, my, on this message this week and I got to that part, I got, um, I got a little bit sidetracked and got a little, uh, a little bit inspired. Excuse me, it's in here. And uh, 
um, I ask myself a really hard question. What it, what's your identity framed as, Wade? When people see you, do they see Jesus? I mean, not like I think I'm Jesus, but I mean, <laughs> well, some have argued that I do. Uh, how much of my identity do I really say is grounded in and rooted in who I am in relationship to Jesus? And I think that's an important question for all of us to really ponder a little bit. Um, it's for another day, so I'm not going to take you through this today, but just enough to think about what does it mean that our identity is tied to Jesus. That's what John is about. And he is bringing a fundamental um, truth to express that day, and that is this, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not what? Overcome it. Bottom line, that's the message of the day. And why is that emphasis so important? That light thing is a big deal. It's a little hard for us to grasp that, that whole light thing because we've got lights everywhere. We don't have problem with really getting caught in the dark too often, do we? I mean, we've got street lamps. We've got uh, multiple lamps all over our houses. If you couldn't see something in front of you, in fact, I see you guys do this sometime. You pull out your cell phone. You punch a little button and a little flashlight comes on. We have available light source to us all the time. And so we, won't, we don't really immediately get this sense about what, um, what he was talking about, how that darkness that is darkness that you can't see with your eyes is also related to how he talked about the darkness of the world in which, in which they were living. One of my favorite places to travel when I was a kid was Mammoth Cave State Park. Have, all, have any of you been to Mammoth Cave State Park down in kind of south central Kentucky? Um, on a hot, humid, muggy Kentucky morning, we were waking up in our camper when I was a kid, and we were going to tour the cave, Mammoth Cave. And as we were getting ready to leave the cave, my mom said to me, you'll need to grab a jacket. I mean, who needs a jacket in that kind of weather? And so being a, a, good, a good son, like all sons should, I pushed back a little bit. And, um, and she explained to me that once we get into the cave and start moving down, it will be Adam, uh, it will be at least 55 degrees or lower, and so you'll probably want a jacket. So reluctantly, I grabbed that jacket, and I tied it around my waist, and we headed out. And as we entered the mouth of the cave, I immediately began um, to descend some really, really steep steps. And I was amazed at what this underground world looked like. Step by step, we went deeper and deeper and entered into a world that was amazing. They had installed these really cool lights so that you could see all those cave formations. It was on this trip that I figured out how to tell the difference between a stalactite and a stalag what? Mite. Do you know the difference? I'm going to give it to you in a way you will never forget the rest of your life. Because the ranger, thank God for him at Mammoth Cave, he said, stalagmites are mighty and they come up from the ground. Stalactites, now if you're a scientist and I got this backwards, just don't tell me, just tell everybody else. He said stalactites, they have to hold on tight in order to be there. So just a little something from Uncle Wade that might serve you someday. 
about that. We went over this bridge. There was, a, there was a river going under it. And then we got down to the last place, this massive room. And they called it the rotunda. Have you, have you seen that room? I mean, it's hundreds of feet under the ground. And when we got into the rotunda, um, it was then that I experienced one of the most startling things I ever have, have ever experienced. The ranger asked us, he said, have you ever been in total darkness? And they choreographed this. Because as soon as he said the word darkness, guess what? All the lights went out. Y'all, have you ever seen pitch black? I, I tried to see my hand in front of my face, nothing. And then I began to become aware of how cold it was down there. And I, and I slipped that jacket on that I had reluctantly brought, but it was dark. Mom wouldn't know that I used it anyway. I don't know how long the lights were out. But I, to this day, still remember the feeling. Here's the feeling. It was cold in the dark. Darkness is cold. I was chilled to the bone. It was, it was a wet cold. You know, that's a different kind of cold. I was afraid in the darkness. And I, and I remember I reached out to try to find one of my parents' hands, but I was disoriented. I wanted a hand for reassurance, but I could not find them. I don't know if I've ever felt so alone, so empty in any other time in my life than I did in that darkness. I, I think that's the darkness John's referring to in this text. And then I heard somebody kind of over on the edge fumbling around. And, uh, and I heard this, this noise that sounded like this. And it was the ranger. He took one kitchen mat. They didn't trust me with kitchen matches because they're too short. He took one kitchen mat. And that one tiny flame, y'all, it pierced the darkness. I could see the roof, the ceiling of the rotunda because of that one, one light. I could find my daddy's hand because of that one light that dispelled all the darkness. You see, that's what John came to help us understand is that in the world in which they lived, they were surrounded by darkness. It leads to despair. It leads to loneliness. It leads to emptiness. But he had good news for them. There is a light, a light that is coming that will pierce the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. And his job was to point. There it is. If you don't believe me, look over in verse 29. The very next thing is, and the next day there they were, and Jesus came and he says, look. And I think when he said look, he probably pointed his finger. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I don't know what darkness you're dealing with in your life personally. I don't know what darkness you see in the world in which we live, but there is darkness, just as there was in the day of John. 
When Jesus came on the scene and there was a promise, the promise was a light, that light will pierce the darkness. So what do we do with this? Two quick things. One is, I want to, Jason, come on up. I want you to join me this week, no matter where you are, and be intentional to look for light. Where do you see the light of Jesus Christ piercing darkness? Remember, it only took one kitchen match for a whole cave to light up. And point, that's one. And secondly, is then point it out so that someone else might see the light in the midst of whatever darkness they are expressing. And I guess I just have one, one, one quick little thing here. Um, I think after thinking about when um, they turned the lights on in Mammoth Cave, when it went from that one little match to the whole deal being lit up, it just about blinded me, you know, because my eyes had adjusted. It was so bright, I almost couldn't see it. Sometimes I think that our worship and our looking for lights in the world, for, for, for keeping track of where God is moving in and around us, it's all kind of a rehearsal. It's attuning our lights, our eyes, to the light so that we are ready and prepared when the fullness of the light of Jesus Christ pierces the darkness and nothing overcomes it. Point at it. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for Jesus, and we are so, so close to this, um, to this celebration next week. We've been working this week and preparing this week, or this several weeks, and, um, and we want to be ready and prepared. Would you work with us this week, preparing our hearts and our minds and our spirits for the fullness of the season? That as we gather again back here just a week from today, that we can indeed experience your light and in turn point that out in the world. Oh God, when we leave this place today, we go back into the world where we are clearly aware of how much darkness there is that surrounds us. But you promised that you would be light that would pierce the darkness. And that nothing, we all say together, nothing, nothing can overcome it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. So thanks for being with us in worship today. I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we continue our journey and make sure that we think about being prepared. God bless you. Have a great week.